In today's episode, we're talking about Disney's influence on gender roles and stereotypes. Hey everyone, welcome to the Papai Fatigue podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. We recently saw a study that looked at Disney princess culture and its effects on children's view of gender roles. But before we get into that, here's my deal. I'm Dave. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. I'm Jim. I've got a, an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter. So as a synopsis of the article, you know, it, it talked about a study that was first conducted in 2012. And Dr. Sarah Coyne, who is a human development professor from Brigham Young University, questioned 307 girls and boys when they're in preschool. And her goal was to measure their views of gender roles by having them sort gender stereotypical toys based on what they most or least like to play with. And then she went back later on and interviewed about half of them five years later. And surprisingly for Dr. Coyne even, she found that kids who were really into princesses at around age five were more likely by the age of 10 to hold progressive views about gender roles and to reject the idea that boys should stifle their emotions. And interestingly, this held true for both boys and for girls. So the first study found that for both boys and girls, high engagement with Disney princesses was associated with more female stereotypical behavior a year later. Now in the second wave of the study, when the participants were about 10 years old, the children who had watched Disney princess movies and played with princess toys the most as preschoolers had more egalitarian views towards women later on compared with children who didn't have a high level of engagement with princesses. And those who had more princess engagement when they were younger also indicated more than the others that they felt men should show more emotion. And so Dr. Coyne's theory is that while men in Disney princess movies are saviors, they usually have secondary roles, right? Like in a 90 minute movie, they're on screen for 10 minutes sometimes. And this quote from her, you know, princess culture gives women key storylines where they're the protagonist. So, you know, this is all very interesting, but there are some other professors that kind of weighed in on this. And, and Rebecca Haynes, who is a professor of media and communications at Salem State University, she found that there were some limitations with this study. First of all, that there was a small survey size, small sample size, and the fact that 87% of the children in this study were white and they were all from Utah and Oregon, which makes it really difficult to apply these findings to a broader population. The other thing she said, Dr. Haynes, was that the challenge, just sort of in general, of studying media's influence on people's beliefs is that it's really impossible to tease out the other factors that shape a person's views. And that's actually a point that Dr. Coyne also agrees with. And so kind of before getting into the topic and, and talking about our, our thoughts on this study, just kind of wanted to discuss our own upbringing and, and provide a little bit of insight into sort of the gender roles when we were growing up. And so can you talk a little bit, Jim, about, you know, what your family like, uh, your family life was like growing up and, and the roles of, of, of your mom and dad when you were young? This is a really interesting topic. And I think as dads of daughters, this is probably pretty forefront in our minds, uh, particularly coming into the ages we are now at eight, at uh, eight years old and seeing what the you know, 10, 12, 14 years are gonna look like and, and how we can sort of be intentional about that and how we can sort of shape our daughter's uh, worldview. And, and you know, the study is a great starting place for this conversation. And I agree with, uh, with the point about the other factors. You know, how, how, who's mm -hmm. to say that watching the Disney movies is really gonna change the, the, the daughters or the, the girls' views about women? 
but it, again, it's an interesting starting point. And I think that I mean, thinking about my own childhood, I think most of those, I didn't get gender role stereotypes and models from popular media. I don't think I probably mm-hmm. got them from mom and dad, relatives, uh, friends, mm-hmm. parents, things, more of community things, seeing how yeah. the, the mom and the dad uh, behaved in the community and, and interacted with others. But having said that, I think there is the question of representation. And it's interesting that they talk about just having the female lead role and that maybe that's mm-hmm. the, that overpowers the, the sort of, um, the needs to be saved, mm-hmm. uh, thing of, uh, you know, Snow White. So anyway, just thinking about the, the modeling that I had, my, my dad worked, both my parents worked, my dad traveled a lot. So my mom took care of a lot of the domestic responsibilities. And then my mom for a large part of my childhood was also going to school in the evenings. And so, um, we, you know, my older sister kind of took care of us. We all kind of took care of each other, but that was, it was not the, I guess what we'll call the traditional dad goes to work and mom stays home and takes mm-hmm. care of the kids. Um, and in fact, in thinking about that, I think of, of my close friends growing up, I maybe had one or two, one in particular that I can remember, but she probably wasn't the only one who was a stay at home mom. Uh, but everybody else, I think, you know, we'd come home in the afternoon or go over to a friend's house to play after school and you know, mom was working too. So, uh, I think that that's probably where I got most of my ideas and probably what's informed a lot of my role as a parent. Yeah. I think, you know, we're that sort of generation of the, the sort of latchkey kids, right. With the, the dual income households. And, and I, I think there is something to be said also for what you're saying that, you know, you look at the, the world around you and you know that those gender roles are different than what even what, what you might see on TV, right? So you might be watching, I don't know, reruns of Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, that came to my mind too, June 2. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So yeah, everyone, okay, this is, you know, this is quote the woman's work and this is quote the man's work. But then when you look, you know, at your own family, you're like, well, that's not, I don't, I don't recognize any of that in my life. And so, yeah, like you, both my parents worked. They were, you know, professionals and they both held executive level positions. And, and the other thing, too, is that my father was very sort of egalitarian in the household chores. So he cooked, he cleaned, he shopped. He did a lot of that stuff. And so growing up, it just was sort of natural. I would see him folding clothes or doing laundry or things like that. And so you just sort of grow up in that. And and I think we certainly have, I don't know if benefit is the right word, but, but being the ones that have grown up having both parents in the workforce and seeing that, oh yeah, you know, it doesn't mean that mom has to stay at home. And I, you know, certainly don't, you know, I want to make sure that as my daughter grows up, right, that she has a very sort of strong view that both parents should be equal partners in the raising of a child and equal partners in running the household, you know, as much as possible, right? There's always you know, some levels of constraints like you and I both have, right? Where our wives have jobs that are kind of all the time running, running, running. So, but, you know, but within that, as much as possible, we sort of have egalitarian households. And I think that's what sort of, I think the reflection of what we grew up with as well. So with that in mind, do you want to share with us kind of your thoughts on on the article and, and you know, how sort of what you took away from it? Earlier before... Earlier today, we were talking about the the video game analogy and whether or not, you know, watching media or playing violent video games somehow makes people more violent. And I I think that's a stretch. I don't know enough about the issue to, to know whether there's some causation there or not. But, it, it you know, back to the idea of seeing role models in our lives rather than on media, uh, I think that it's hard to believe that 
that girls watching Disney princess movies uh, were influenced in such a way that it it affected their world view in such a drastic way. But again, this is an interesting place to start for the conversation. Um, the idea of representation, I think, is important. And so seeing if if all the media was June Cleaver, and you know, I think even for for our generation growing up, that was still, I mean, it was all black and white. That was some old TV. But there are other films and TV shows where maybe the the mom was the was the, the stay at home mom and the dad worked in sort of traditional roles or the the historical roles, and that um, being able to see women for girls to see women in uh, in roles of, of power and authority and in STEM work and stuff like that, I think is really important. So that idea of representation is pretty powerful, whether or not watching the you know and again the disney stuff particularly for young kids it, it's hard to believe that that's really making a lasting impact i think playing princess is something that that little girls like to do they like to dress up and it just happens that disney's kind of capitalized on that that sort of innate interest of kids i think uh but again back to the representation i think it's really helpful that there are more progressive princesses that have come out in more recent years with the disney uh disney genre um you know the, the Brave is the one that comes to, comes to mind. We've watched that recently, and I think that was one of the first ones where there was the strong female lead that wasn't the wasn't the damsel in distress. So, it, this this is an important topic to me at this time, and making sure that my daughters see that they can be scientists and see that they can be astronauts and things like that. And that probably was not the case when my sister was growing up, or even when I was growing up. I mean, my my dad was um, uh, he worked for the airlines. And the idea of seeing a, a woman pilot was was unusual, was really unusual, and, and now it's not at all, obviously. And so I think having that representation is helpful for kids to see that they, I guess what I'm saying is seeing women in traditional roles probably is less limiting than seeing women in progressive roles is encouraging, if that makes sense. And so mm -hmm. I think that, I think that the Disney movies in particular have these sort of classic storylines that, um, that 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 may have more benefit than than not seeing the women in the positive roles. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I was traveling with my family, and we were in the airport, and there's a female pilot walking by, and I I pointed that out to my my daughter who was, I think three at the time, because I'm like, remember, <laughs> women can be pilots, you know, like this is here's an example of, you know, so if you want to go be a pilot, you can do it. And yeah, I think there's something to be said about representation. You know, I think the thing about this is while it, it certainly shows, you know, again, with some sort of caveats to it, it shows that kids are not necessarily negatively impacted. I'm not I'm not sure I'm going to go rush out and buy a bunch of classic Disney movies or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I think that the issue about video. So when I first read it, and, and I, certainly when my daughter was younger, I felt like, you know, I really want to steer away from Disney princess movies. I just feel like it's it's telling, teaching the wrong message, and this and that and the other. And I think certainly having read this article, as we talked about, right, one thing that I reflected on is the whole sort of argument that that comes up every once in a while about violent video games makes people more violent. And I I don't agree with that at all. And so I think if you just sort of extend that thinking, and again, there are some 
differences, I think, between sort of a lean forward video game experience versus the lean back movie watching experience. But yeah, if I don't feel that video games make people more violent, I'm not sure that I could think that Disney movies are going to necessarily negatively impact Mm -hmm. my daughter so that when she's in her 30s, she's looking for somebody to come rescue her and, you know, take her out of, you know, her her day-to-day existence and be swept off her feet. So, yeah, I think that, you know, at at some point there's a, a sense of this was my childhood and now I'm growing up and I'm whatever, 16, 18, 20, 30 years old and this is reality and... So I'm, yeah, I, I think that it, it, it's not, um, I don't think there's any lasting negative impacts, but like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go rush out and buy the whole classics library. You know, that, that being said, I think that certainly Disney has done a, a good job of updating the, you know, the, the female role in their movies. And I think for me, one of the earliest ones with, I would say is a strong female lead was, was Aladdin. Where, you know you have Jasmine who is mm-hmm. she she's she knows what she wants to do and she's gonna go do it and then you know you come with um, Mulan and Lilo and Stitch and you know, I think at that point it starts to turn I haven't seen all the movies but sort of those are the those are kind of the, I think the earliest ones where I had a sense of like okay there's there's a different role for, for the for the woman here and I, yeah certainly for our kids these days you know it, it's it would it would actually be hard to find I think, a Disney movie with a weak <laughs> female lead, um, you know, and okay, there's you know, ethnic princesses aside, right? That, that's a whole other issue. But I think that in terms of just these days, yeah, it is a strong female lead, and as you pointed out in in other conversations that we've had, right, the, the um, you know, Frozen. So it doesn't always have to be about a princess falling in love. Well, I guess Moana too, right? That. The, the journey is not about finding your soulmate. The mm-hmm. journey is right. much, much deeper than just, I need to be, to be happy, yeah. I need to be married, or I need to find a partner. And and I think all of those things contribute, again, to sort of how we look at the, those roles. And, you know, in as much as I, you know, I think we'd all like to have our kids be exposed to good role models, Okay, well, that you know, that's just another way of reinforcing that. And yes, I mean, I'd much rather have my daughter be whatever Raya or Merida than Sleeping Beauty or Snow White or you know any of these princesses who uh, who just sort of yes, the story was about them, but it was about them cleaning up after seven guys and then being so pretty that somebody decided to kiss you kiss this woman when she was asleep and save her life, right? Like. It's not. It's not the first thing I would like her to watch, but I will say that when I uh, found out I was having a child, I did kind of go out and buy a bunch of Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch them in hindsight with that view of of the parenting lens, you're like, yeah, this you know Dumbo is just you know the yeah, kids right. are getting drunk. And like this is not. What well, we watched Pinocchio port- recently, and that was that right? was tough. Yeah, I mean, there's just some of these where you're like, this is not at all what I want to expose my kid to. So, you know, but again, right, sign of the times. And, and, um, you know, that's, there's a whole bunch of other problems that Disney has had, you know, in their earlier, in their earlier films as well. That was one of the reasons I tolerated Frozen for so much and over and over and over and over again was because it was, (laughs) uh, 
it was it was a love story among sisters, you know, and, and sisters taking care of themselves, and then both uh, Frozen and Frozen Two are really stories of um, of becoming, stories of growing up and coming of age, and I think those are more powerful storylines than than the traditional ones. And I think what we're talking about is Cinderella, Little Mermaid, and Sleeping Beauty, and all of those three are weird for, for kind of for the same <laughs> reasons, you know. I mean, Sleeping Beauty, like you said, she's she's so hot that somebody wants to kiss her when she's dead. That's pretty weird cinderella i mean how come the prince can't recognize her without her shoe i mean that's that's really bizarre so yes uh and then uh, little mermaid you know that she she uh, ends up having the prince fall in love with her even though she can't talk you know that she's right. totally that's weird you know, she can't, it's not even that she's got like sign language or something she's just right you know a, kind of a deaf mute so mm-hmm. or a mute anyway so those are but those aren't the focal points of those stories you know what i mean but i think that mm-hmm. That could have, uh, but I don't think those are good messages. Those are not positive messages. If we take them out of context and look at those specific sort of elements, I think those are uh, those are not lessons or even um, ideas that I really want to instill in my children. But then you look at Frozen, and you know, particularly Frozen Two, which I think is it's obviously other than riots, one of the most recent movies that Disney has, and that is, uh, you know, there's some good modeling of the relationship between. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Christoph, Christoph mm-hmm. and Anna, and uh, there's yeah. some some good modeling there as far as you know, modern relationships and uh, male female relationships. So, so I guess they're getting better. And uh, and talking about Dumbo and Pinocchio, sign of the time. So maybe they're just growing yeah. up. Yeah. Well, and I think that you bring up a good point, which I hadn't really realized before. Is it feels like the classic stories are more they're love stories, right? Right. Whereas now the the sort of new wave is the coming of age story of the finding yourself and sort of becoming who you are and overcoming adversity, right? A lot of these are sort of overcoming adversity stories and, you know, the teaching the perseverance and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of them do have positive messages. And again, you know, in the same way that do I think that, you know, if my daughter was into... Um, Little Mermaid, she'd be ruined forever. I don't know that just because she watches Moana 20 million times doesn't mean she's going to be a, you know, powerful... A sailor. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so I think the same way, right? It's it's sort of the, you know, it's it's not being on the extremes either way. But all things being equal, if she's going to watch something, I'd much rather it have a positive message and, and be a story that she might be able to identify with more than just this love story we've started reading some comic books and they're starting to kind of come up with crushes and things like that and I, i'm just kind of curious to see how she's you know at eight how she's sort of reacting to that and i don't feel like she's reacting one way or the other and so similarly to these classic stories where the story really is about the the love stories that that's the sort of happy ending piece to it all I'm not clear that she can identify with that. Well, you know, look, she probably can't identify with commanding the sea either, mm-hmm. but or having me turn into a bear, but or I guess her mom turned into a bear. Right. However, I think this this storyline they're probably smaller pieces and smaller nuggets that she can tease out a little bit easier that she can identify with a little bit more, and it certainly allows you to have more of those conversations about you know, the princesses and sort of reinforcing the kinds of things that you'd like your children to model, right? Those behaviors. So, yeah. And some of those, probably what else is different is that some of those early movies with Disney, 
were based on some mythology, basically, you know, fairy tales and legends and stories that they then turned into sort of a commercial product. And those legends and stories have some sort of deeper meanings and deeper messages that are probably pretty well washed out of the the end product. And then, you know, talking about the more recent movies, it's like they're making their own story. Obviously, well, I can't say obviously, but I don't think that Raya and the Last Dragon is based on any sort of, you know, ancient text. It seems like a, a fantastical story that's got its own points and purposes, as opposed to trying to convert something like the Middle Little Mermaid from what really is kind of mm-hmm. a gruesome tale into, mm-hmm. you know, a sort of a sweet and you know love story. Right. Mm-hmm. So, how do you guys handle handle gender roles and, and stereotypes in your home? Right. We we talk about sort of the again it's not quite the negative impact of disney but you know it certainly shows off a side of people that we would rather kind of keep under wraps or say look this is not it doesn't have to be this way you know are you proactive and and if so in terms of talking about gender stereotypes like how do you reinforce that in your in your household i think i would have been more i think i would have had a heightened awareness if i had both a, a boy and a girl and what i'm thinking of is i don't know if it's a story or i was talking to somebody uh, and they said, you know, when they're when they're working on their car, uh, they, they didn't think, to, you know, they'd invite their son over to see them work on their car, but they, you know, never thought to invite their daughter. And I kind of that stayed with me. And so anytime I'm working with tools, or you know, I go to the hardware store, or you know, fishing. We went fishing recently, and you know, all those things that are involved with 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 fishing, you know, cutting and cleaning and killing the fish and all that. You know, those are things I, I treated it as if. I want to say that I treated it the same as if I was sort of teaching my son, but that's mm-hmm. not true. I was just teaching my child, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of uh, male or female. So I think that, I think that I've, I've never found myself in a place where like, oh, this is like, you know, men's work, or this is something, mm-hmm. that, this is a, something a boy would be interested in and not my daughter's. And that's not true. I think that anything that, that seems fun, uh, you know, I'm going to invite them to do without thinking of it as a as a gender role one way or the other mm-hmm. yeah we just sort of got done with that podcast on having girls you know mm-hmm. and, and certainly the sort of how you think how i guess you're more aware of the kinds of things where people just sort of kind of naturally fall into stereotypes that sort of you know what the implicit bias right that that you sort of when you have girls i think you try and be more aware of that so that it's not like oh well you know here's a boy thing so yeah i forgot to ask my daughter to come by and things like that i, I think that you try and um be a little bit more aware of that you know I, for us on the sort of gender and stereotype roles i mean certainly i do most of the cooking so i would say right there you know i think that that's a place where the kids know that i cook it's interesting we were at the doctor this is maybe two years ago this was before before covid and it was for my daughter's visit and the doctor she asked my daughter she said, oh you know just through the general practice she's like oh who who cooks meals at home she said your daddy or your mommy she said daddy cooks and she's like oh does daddy cook well she's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And because you know like clearly she was not expecting that i was doing all the cooking and that i could you know do it and and so those are you know just some ways that you see how some of these mm, stereotypes creep in right and and so just by the fact that that's kind of how things work at our house that my guess is that she understands that anybody can be a cook and there's nothing inherently 
male or female about being the person who is, you know, slaving mm-hmm. away in the kitchen. Right. You know, we do sort of, uh, we, I, I do a lot of cleaning, but my wife does the dishes because I do most of the cooking and then it's time to get the kids off to sleep. And so I think that there are a number of places where we have maybe done the sort of non-gender stereotypes. I don't know exactly what the stereotype is for who does the shopping. Mm-hmm. Although I certainly have seen a bunch of like uh, BuzzFeed threads where, you know, a, a woman will ask a man to go, you know, whatever, pick up a pineapple. And they're like, I don't, that's not a real fruit. That's not a thing. Right? So I, I, mean, I don't know if that's a real thing or not. But when the kids were young, specifically my daughter, we'd go, I would go shopping every Saturday, just like clockwork. And we'd let we'd let uh, my wife sleep in. So it'd just be the two of us at the grocery store. And, and also that was a great time as she was young when she was, you know, whatever, one, two, three, to point out fruit and to, you know, talk about all that mm-hmm. stuff and say, this is, you know, this is how we pick a pineapple or how you select a watermelon. And also just kind of learning the names and the colors and shapes and stuff like that. But yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that we do just sort of that I think... Uh, goes against the stereotypes and my wife is the one who's sort of 24 7 and so by default i i take a lot of the the caregiving stuff on and the other place that i look to try and and do a lot of work is is in books i love using books Mm -hmm. as learning tools and you know we just got off that podcast last week the prior podcast about our favorite books and movies and things like that and i'm always looking for books that have strong female leads or that show women in STEM, those kinds of things. And, you know, even for my son, I think that's a good thing for him to see also. You know, this is not just for the girls to understand. This is also for the boys to understand that, you know, women are equals. And, you know, the other thing is as, as our kids, specifically our daughters, are getting into that age where the math and the science start to mm-hmm. bifurcate, right? Mm-hmm. And And there is sort of a... Oh, you know, math and sciences are for boys and just that kind of stuff. I think I'm hyper aware of the STEM side of things and really trying to make it understood to her that, hey, you, you know, you can you can do anything you want. You can be an astronaut, you can be a scientist, whatever. Or, you know, if you want, you can be, you know, a doctor or a you know, a marketing person mm-hmm. <laughs> or anything, a lawyer, whatever it is. So, you know, it it, it doesn't have to be anything. I, I just wanted to think that, hey, I can do anything. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you do. Just be happy doing what it is you do. Mm-hmm. And if that happens. But I don't, what, I, what it is, I don't want you to shut the door because you think that girls can't do right. X, right? right? Or that, That's yeah. the thing. Not that they can't do it or they don't do it or it's not ladylike or, you know, it's not, right. not feminine or something like that. Yeah, I don't, right. I agree. And yeah, so for the kind of the way I handle it, I get a lot of books. And and the thing that we've been doing now is when I start a book, I'll tell her, look, it's up to you to tell me why I borrowed this book. And, you know, so also it it just makes sure she's paying attention. But it's, you know, I'll start off. What is the lesson that I would like you to take away from this? And tell me what it is when we're done. Mm -hmm. And that does seem to be working. And then it allows us to have some conversations because I think that's the other thing too is it's sort of in as much as we can find those teachable moments in our lifetimes right or in daily life just like the way that when we grew up right we saw our parents and sort of doing equal work and I think that if you can if you just see that and if that's reinforced 
in a, in a sort of daily, sort of almost banal way, that it just becomes natural. Mm-hmm. You don't think twice about it. You just go, oh yeah, this, you know, this woman is the CEO and the dad is, a, you know, he's a chef or something, or he's a, you know, he's just got a different job. And so you don't then think, oh well, that's that's weird. Like, why is the, you know, why does the woman make more money than the man or whatever? And yeah, I think just by having those conversations, just it then becomes just not a thing when the kids are, you know, have that experience. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of professions, airline pilot, astronaut, firefighters, police people, what do you say, police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it, the Catholic Church, are they the only ones who still have some sort of gender restriction that oh, uh, well, they, seem... they can't be priests? Or, or Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I can't think of anything. I can't think of any other sort of industry that's seems barred to women anymore. Uh, no, and you know what? What's what's interesting too with sort of the you know social media and everything. I've seen that there is a whole. So where I think social media has been really helpful for some people is in in jobs where women are historically underrepresented Mm -hmm. so what in particular i'm thinking about the trucking industry and i've seen i've actually followed a number of female truckers who just kind of they they're on tiktok or well these days there's a lot of tiktok and they just talk about what it's like being a trucker but also it's a way for other women to go oh yeah like it's it's a it's a job that i never thought about and here's how some successful women are making it work for them and that one in particular, I've seen a few different articles on that because it's it's becoming more and more, um, at least on a social media thing, it's becoming more and more of a sort of a, a, a big thing. And, and certainly I was just reading an article the other day that the trucking industry has just has taken this massive hit because of COVID. And, you know, so for all sorts of reasons, but it is a space where they're hiring like crazy and they're offering huge bonuses. And I wonder if, the, you know, these just these little things that people are doing by having TikToks, if that's going to help bring in women who would not have otherwise thought of that as a, you know, as something they could do for a career. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that's what this is all about, right? Like saying, hey, you can do anything. And it might not have been maybe open to you before or something that you thought about but why not maybe there is a world in which you're like this is you know it's just something i was never exposed to but this is absolutely what i want to do i want to get out and drive a big rig and be on the road those kinds of things so those are kind of nice little things uh to see as as people are moving into spaces that have been historically less or more male dominated shall we say I think the only thing that does that can't come to mind is I don't know that I've ever seen a, a, a female auto mechanic. And I think mm-hmm. that that's an interesting, and same thing with trucking, it's an interesting sort of conundrum because it's, yes, our daughters can do those things, but then that culture, or how do you get a, a job in a, how does a, a female mechanic get a job in a shop that's traditionally, you know, mm-hmm. male dominated and chauvinistic and, and all that. So there's something about the culture. At first it's the, it's knowing that the doors are open and then second, making sure they stay open given those people that are in that industry. And so that's, uh, that's a bigger topic and a bigger story. Yeah. I think that one, th- I always do kind of look at where our kids are and, and what's happening socially and, and say, you know, I do feel some level of optimism that when our daughters are, you know, working force age, that if they do want to go into any of the hardcore STEM areas that things will be different right because there's yes there are there certainly are women 
in science and in uh, engineering and things like this but there still is a ton of sexism in these in these roles and i hope that by having these conversations now that when our daughters in whatever 10 or 15 years when they're in the workforce that hopefully some of these barriers and some of this toxicity certainly the video games are one i mean uh, i think it's blizzards getting sued or something for this really just toxic culture that hopefully those roles while are technically open probably right. not super inviting and so that maybe in 15 years time or 10 years time that there'll be more women in those roles that will make it less sort of toxic and um just a better place for them to be if that's where they choose to be i'm interested in thinking uh i'm it's interesting that i'm thinking about uh, both my wife and i work in what had been traditionally when we were growing up you know when we were children they were male-dominated professions and now they they're really not uh, except for in um, in my wife's profession which is somewhat related to mine there there's still that old guard there's still the old white guys at the top so the very mm-hmm. very top leadership is still predominantly white old men and then you look at the next step down and then you know then the, the senior managers and the people that are running the company in sort of the middle tier that seems pretty egalitarian that seems like mm-hmm. it seems like that that culture has been changed but there's still that sort of super culture that that overarching ideology i guess that uh, mm-hmm. that those old guys are still there so so the bigger so yes they're pro- so I'm, I'm thinking about my daughters they probably can see that they can work in those industries industries that when i was a kid they maybe the women maybe the, the girls that i grew up with weren't really thinking that those were things that they would want to do and now that they're there and it's kind of open up there's still that sort of last push so that the you know maybe they're just all going to die and then everyone will go <laughs> You know, <laughs> just wipe the slate clean. Yeah, and then the next generation <laughs> takes over and, you know, it'll all be male and female mm-hmm. up at that level too. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's right. I mean, that's kind of what Disney went through, right? It's just the right. changing of the guard. So to kind of bring it back to where we started, right? That is ultimately how we get these more modern princesses that the old guard, you know, left. And that brought in new blood that wanted to tell different stories, that wanted to tell stories that were relevant to today's you know youth and and this is how we got to where we got so yeah i mean hopefully that's the direction that every generation learns a little bit more from the the things that they did particularly care for from the previous generation and we keep getting better and yeah i mean we've got 10 15 years before we'll see what happens (laughs) right (laughs) we hope you found today's episode informative If you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood, please subscribe and drop us a review. If you have any questions, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash papayfatigue. That's P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E. Thanks for listening.